Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Steady Focused. We're continuing with our series on music, rock and roll, Wichita Falls, people who have influenced me and who are steady focused towards their craft, who have dedicated their life to music. Tonight, we have one of my great friends, a man who has inspired me, who I've rocked with, who, um, you know, he's, he's an incredible artist who has put in the work, who has sacrificed. I think he's one of the best lyricists that I've ever known. And I'm talking major music all the way to the, to the most underground. But not only is it, um, is it great lyrics, but it's a passion that is unrelenting. So guys, I'm just so excited to sit down and shine the light on a very great friend of mine. So please help me give a big, steady, focused welcome to my friend, Mr. Sean Snyder. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh man, Sean, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here with you tonight, dude. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's yeah, an honor. It, it is an honor. So we got lots, man. I, I love posting the questions, you know, sending them out to the audience, the world out there, like letting people know who's coming on the show. And, and so maybe of all the, the interviews we've done, we had a lot of crowd participation. So we got a lot of questions coming from the audience are going to be coming at you tonight. Nice. But, uh, w you know, let's just kick it off. Let's bring a guest in to ask you your first question. Let's do it. He's a, he's a man who's pretty close to me. It's Kingston. Come on in, Kingston. You What's come, up, Kingston? You got to come over here. All right, so you gotta, yeah, sit right there. Okay, and what's your name? Kingston. All right, and use your big man voice, and there's Sean. And uh, so go ahead and read your question for Sean. How long have you been in the band, and is what is your role? Um, I've been in this band, uh, It Hurts to Be Dead, for eight and a half years. Um, <clears throat> Coming up on nine pretty soon, um, and I am the guitar player and vocalist. Did you think he was the singer? Cool. So eight, oh, coming in on nine years, it hurts to be dead. Um, well, let, let's just talk about it, like from right there. Let's. Where you've been in so many bands for so long, so many kind of rebirths. Has it hurts to be dead been your longest band? It Hurts to Be Dead has been the longest-running band that I've been a part of, yeah, in uh, 22 years of, of playing music in, in bands, so. I'll tell you, you were the first dude I knew that was in a band, like, in high school, right? We went to the same high school. Yeah. And so the first person I knew of that was like, that dude's in a band was you. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I've been doing it since uh, since I was 15 years old. And, uh, you know, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, I had a couple of little outfits in high school and we had fun, played parties and things. Man, okay, so you're 15 years old and you start your band. So how long before you actually picked up a guitar? Or what were you doing in your first band? Was it guitar, singing, drums? Um, I started playing uh, drums when I was eight. And uh, later on, you know, I I'd actually tried to play guitar before that and wasn't any good at it. And people tried to teach me. My hands were small. Uh, didn't get a lot done. Uh, but drums, you just hit them, you know. So I uh, got my first drum set at eight. 
um, joined the high school band, and then I started playing piano because I wanted to mess around with melody and uh, you know maybe actually try to write songs. And I did a bit of that, uh, but then by virtue of being in the like high school marching band, um, you know I met some other guys that that knew how to play guitar and things like that. And uh, so, you know, sort of relegated myself to the, the role of, uh, you know, being a drummer. And that's, that's actually what I did in, in the marching band as well. Um, and so for, for several years after, I think uh, that was really my only focus uh, as far as like playing out and things like that. Um, I tried uh, playing guitar some on the side and didn't really get to a point where I felt that I could uh, play guitar in a band uh, until I was around 20, I want to say. Dang. Okay, so you're 12 years into music at 20 years old. I do remember that. That was right. You were the band play. You were the drummer. What was what was the band? It wasn't 10 times 10. What was uh, it? We had a couple of different names and a couple of different bass players, but it was uh, it was myself and uh, and. Another guy that's in the scene here, Michael Hayes, uh, now of Robert Paulson. And, uh, you know, a lot of the time it would just be the two of us. And, you know, he ended up moving right down the street from me and we would play um, and write songs. And then we'd have, you know, guys come in and play bass. But I think the first incarnation of that band, uh, we were called the the beautiful bastards yeah say that? yeah you can say whatever you want you can say yeah. shit damn and oh all okay that good stuff. all right that's my kind of show <laughs> yeah right you get crazy <laughs> all right man and so it was drumming music what pulled you in i mean what was it that you why did you start in the first place uh what you know why did i um did did someone put who did someone put sticks in your hand? Was it your dad or your mom or no? Um, my, well, my my mom and dad, uh, you know, were divorced before I could really remember. Uh, but each of them played guitar uh, on their own, you know, and they were doing things. Uh, you know, my whole childhood when I would hang out with them, they were doing things with the guitar that I thought. Um, I thought I would never be able to pull any of that kind of stuff off. And, and, and actually, uh, both of them can still play things that I can't play. Um, you know, so drums kind of just seemed like the, the natural thing because I liked to hit things and I wanted to be a part of, uh, you know, something musically, you know. Um, yeah, I remember listening to, you know, my, both of my parents are, are uh, big Beatles fans and still are to this day. Um, I remember in 1984, when I was probably three years old, I can still remember listening to A Hard Day's Night in my mom's old Thunderbird, you know, and that's one of my earliest musical memories. Is that is is there a song about that? Because um, that sounds like some lyrics I could hear, man. There isn't, but maybe there should be. Yeah. 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 Hard Day's Night in my mom's Thunderbird. Yeah. 1984. Right. Dang. Okay, man. So it, it's been kind of in this uh closely around the world of punk rock like this whole time right i mean you you have your own absolutely i'd say it's um and you you tell me like is it a is it a like a four-letter word to say you're in a punk rock band or is that is that a do do you own that or because to me like yes it is punk rock but you're your own flavor you know like i don't want to say like you guys listen to this like sean's in a punk rock band but you're not 
just this like you're fresh you're your own thing yeah absolutely and i th- i think that uh sometimes <clears throat> it depends on who you're speaking to because to say to some people that you play in a punk rock band um you know may give the impression that there's not uh melody or there's not you know redeemable qualities in that music for them as well uh we are a punk band. We own it. And, and I don't think there's really another way to uh, fairly describe what we do. Uh, but I feel that we're a punk band that can really, uh, you know, draw people in that aren't necessarily or haven't necessarily been fans of the genre. But, I mean, you know, that's what's, that's what's great about punk music is that it, it can mean so many different things, you know. And to some degree, we like to experiment with all of that and beyond. And the the melody. I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of genres all across, you know. But I was thinking about it as I was getting ready for your interview to talk with you today. It's quite possible that of all of the bands and everything that I've followed over the years, I have had more of your albums than anyone. You know, I've I know for sure I've had five. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and what what draws me back in is you know that the, the lyrical melody you know that i'm a i'm a you know former singer you know all this of course. And i still sing you know yeah. to kingston though now yeah but your your melody is is so right on then mixed with like the the ferociousness of the guitar you know but then there's also uh you know the the content of what you're talking about you had and one of your albums back in the day was called Songs for the Morbid Romantic. Yeah, I remember it well. Yes, and I was thinking about that too, and it's like the morbid romantic. That really kind of defines where, or or could be a, a part of where you come from with a lot of your lyrics. Like, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there are a lot of bands that, that uh, sort of led me in, in that sort of direction, you know, but I think that... Uh, the time where my old band, The Advance, made that album, there was a focus on, um, you know, creating something that was like very listenable and uh, definitely had a lot of pop elements to it. Um, but it's sort of that dichotomy of that and some darker undertones lyrically and, you know, really expressing, uh, you know, like maybe the, the, darker side of myself or ourselves at that time and to me that was some of the most interesting music and I've sort of you know maintained a part of that uh within everything that I've done to this day you know it's uh it's something that 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 I feel is uh pretty representative of of who I am inside so yeah it's you you walk the dark side but with such this, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's dark. It's hurt. It's scary. You know, at times. You know, and uh, so we talk about. Let me, hand me hand me that disc right there. Absolutely. Yeah. So so we've got your brand new album right here. Your your newest album. It's the it's the latest. What? No, I don't know. Sit down. <laughs> You're getting the dad interview. Yeah, it's good, man. You're getting I love the dad it. interview. So, yeah, so we got Old Habits and Die Hards right here. Where did you guys record this one? Uh, that was recorded in Deep Ellum in Dallas at 12 Forward Sound. Um, and it was produced by John Pettigo of uh, John Pettigo's Magic Pilsner and The O's. 
and co-produced by Josh Fleming of a band called The Vandaliers. Um, it was an incredible band, and they've just signed to a new label. Um, Ryan Adams is on that label, so that's that's exciting for, for my friends, you know. I really love the production of this. It sounds great, and it's... I think it really captured you and, you know, Kevin and Nick, like your performance on how you guys do it. And it's some of the, I love the way you pushed yourself vocally to hit those melodies and really hit those notes, but then also back off a little bit, like kind of sit in the pocket a little bit more. And it was great. Let's, you know, if it's cool with you, I'm just going to cue up one of these songs. What do you want to play? Black December? Black December would be a good one. Okay, Let's so talk to us. What are, what are we about to hear? Like, talk about the story of Black December. Uh, Black December is, uh, you know, about a friend of mine who, um, you know, had gone through some really unimaginable times uh, in, in some of the most unfortunate ways. And, uh, you know, sometimes when people go through things, you can't always reach out and relate you can reach out but you having not experienced some of those things um you know it's it's about my frustration of not being able to be better help i guess um but it's it's one of my favorite songs to play live and a lot of the time we open our sets with it
I just love it. Why and where did the name for It Hurts to Be Dead come from? Um, it Hurts to Be Dead was when we started this band, uh, every, you know, every band, in my opinion, needs to have a drummer. And drummers are a rare commodity in, in Wichita Falls, or they were at least at the time that we started the band. So, um, you know, I approached Kevin Gilmore. That's the guy I wanted to play drums for this band. And, uh, you know, he, he was reluctant. He had been out of it for a minute, you know, but uh, decided that he would be interested. But that was contingent upon uh, being able to use a handful of names that he had already pre-selected. And that was the one that sucked the least. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go, Kevin. Cool. Well, man, Kevin's a character. Yeah, he was hell-bent on that being the name, and I think uh, there were one or two others, one of which was like Asshawk, and obviously that was not no go. So so you you know what? Let's just go with that. It hurts to be dead. Yeah, here we are eight years later, and it's still the name. You're still going with it. (laughs) And it's good, man. So let's, let's get into some of our audience questions. Lonnie, our good friend Lonnie, she asks, hey, ask Sean if he still has Molly Marie. Uh, Lonnie, I do not. Um, Molly Marie was, uh, uh, the subject of, of a song that we wrote that we still need to record. Um, but that song is actually about a truck that I had planned on trying to build into a rat rod and, uh, you know, it was an old Ford. Um, and it was a very tumultuous relationship that I had with this truck and, no matter how many leaks I fixed, uh, it would spring oil someplace else. And eventually, no, I don't have it. I had to part ways with it for a down payment for a Harley Davidson. So, mm. yeah, let's, I mean, let's talk about that. You're rock and roll, punk rock, tattoos. You look cool as shit. <laughs> and P.S., you're in a, you're a, you're a biker. Yeah. Like, talk about that. Uh, I love motorcycles. I've always had a, a passion for them. I've, been riding for a long time and i think everybody should own one like honestly like they're they're, it's it's some of the most fun you can ever have oh man you get i i think my dad kind of lives through you you know he he follows you on facebook and he likes to talk with you about harleys and stuff yeah i've talked to tom about harley davidson's a handful of times yeah so yeah yeah. he loves it dude he he loves them and yeah, it's it's like music, you know, it gets in your blood and it's just something that you have to do, you know. I don't know, or at least I have to do. Brandon Graham, good friend of yours. He's been a, a big part of your musical career. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah, Brandon and I have been in a few bands together. He hits up and says, Who have been some of your biggest musical influences, past and present, and what's motivating you to keep going after all these years? Mm biggest musical influences uh past and present um god everything from the beatles to stevie wonder to green day to good riddance to fugazi to rise against to uh the menzingers alkaline trio jawbreaker um there's so many good ones there's so there are so many good ones um and I could go on and on and on if I had the time. Uh, what is my inspiration for continuing to do it? I don't. I don't know. How, I, it is a good question. I don't know. Um, I stopped one time or, or or twice when a when a band 
broke up and I had no immediate plans to get into another one. So uh, in the last 22 plus years, uh, there's been probably a collective year and a half that, that, I, that I wasn't actively like writing, playing, recording. And I become a very different person uh, when I'm not doing it. Um, it's, it's really like less about focus and more like a compulsion to do it. Okay. You know, uh, I need the therapy, I think is probably the, the best answer I could give to that question. Dude, and that, that just pumps me up because I'm, you know, I, I'm coming at my creativity kind of from a different outlet, but it's still creative outlet. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of people that watch this show, you know, for inspiration and motivation. That just says it right there. Like, we're talking 22 years putting in the freaking work. Just, And it's not about, like, dang, man, how many millions did I get? It's not about how many thousands of people are at my show. It's about Sean needs this shit to breathe, to live. And I'm like, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, we're so, I think a lot of us get to the point where it's instant gratification. I've been doing something for six months. Why am I not the biggest thing on earth? You know, talk to that. You've been putting in the work 22 years, you know, and I, what? how do you feel if someone tells you, oh, man, I've been doing X, Y, Z for six months and I'm not the fucking star of the world? Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that, it, different people have different motivation for getting into anything that could potentially put you in the limelight. Um, for me personally, uh, fame is not, has not ever really been a motivator for me. Like it's been more about creating and having somebody to relate. So, you know, performing is inherent. Because like, you know, it's basically like putting a signal out to see if anybody relates to that, you know. Uh, for me, it's a very cleansing thing. It's not really ever been about like, can we become the biggest band in the world or, uh, or you know, how big can we get? Um, I think there are a lot of bands that like, you probably work a lot harder toward that sort of thing. And you, you, you get in return what you put out, like point blank. But... For me, uh, you know, it's about, well, how can I most effectively express what I'm trying to express? And, you know, it's, it's cool when people appreciate it and like it, but if, if our motivation was to be a much bigger band, we would be musically and aesthetically and everything, every other way imaginable, we'd be a very, very different band. You know, um, I don't know. I, th I think everybody has different goals in mind, but I'm I'm very satisfied with uh, being able to do things on the level that we do them, especially after this long. It has been this long, man. Yeah. Um, well, that's inspiring. Yeah, that's inspiring to me. So, guys, I hope you take take a little bit of that. I think those are big words. There's a lot to be said within that to. Uh, Anyway, just listen to that back. Let's hit it up with another question. We got, um, you know, maybe you kind of already touched on this, but our good friend Joseph Sanchez, he says, what's the itch that you still need to scratch? And that goes with one of the questions that I love to ask. What drives you? You know, wh why do you keep writing after all this? Because I know as soon as you put that album out, I know you. You already had 
probably six songs already written and you love to write yeah you know? so why uh, I love to write um, the itch that I can't scratch is you know there are constantly things whether it be societal or whether it be introspective personal things um, I always deal best with that you know answering the questions that I have or dealing with the problems that, that, that I have or that my friends have or that the world has uh, in song. Mike Hardison talks about what's, after all these years of the success and failures as an inspiring musician, what have you learned that you would tell a young musician who's just getting started? Oh, wow. Um, young people who are just getting started. Um, Play in bands with your friends, whether you're good or not, whether they are good or not. Work with people who you can work well with and grow together. Um, don't view bands, uh, you know, that are that are in your same scene as competition. Uh, you know, make it be more a community type of thing, and that can be. You know, like basically don't judge other bands because no matter what, no matter what you're doing, if you're if you're writing your songs and, and, and you're creating, uh, you know, and then there are other bands that are, you know, playing cover songs and things like that. Look for the things that you have in common with every band, which is, uh, you know, your ultimate goal is, you know, to to be on stage and 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 play for people. And no matter how different your band could be from another uh you all have that in common, and we've got a lot of really decent dudes in in our scene, you know. Um, I, I love to hear what people have written. That's my absolute favorite thing, but um, being threatened by what any other band is doing is going to be bad for you. There you go. Man, that reminds me of, let me see, it's a quote someone gave. Man, I don't know if... For you guys out there, you've probably heard of this guy. He's Grant Cardone. He's like one of the top salesmen in the world, and he he just motivates people, and he's just like a power salesman, and he teaches people how to sell. So he was sitting down doing this interview with a guy, and the guy across from him had put out more books than him. And so he was saying, or he was on the cover of a major magazine. That's what it was, the guy interviewing him. And he was sitting back, and he was like, I'm not, I'm not jealous because that's just showing me what's possible. So it's kind of relating to being jealous of the guy, of what they're doing in their band, but flip it and get motivated by it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, healthy competition is, is probably good because that can grow, you know, uh, artists. Uh, but, you know, when it, when it comes to a point where there's backbiting and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, be happy for these people that could potentially be your friends or maybe they already are your friends uh you know for what they're doing and and you could learn something from them or take inspiration from them and it's it's a much healthier way to approach things um you know if if he asked if i had any regrets uh you know any regrets that i would happen to have were probably like rooted in some sort of uh you know negative feelings towards somebody else because they were uh you know, getting better shows or, or, or this, that, or the other, but, um, you know, bands that are, that are, that are doing well, they have earned that. 
let's if it's all right with you let's let's hit him with another song sure absolutely so let's let's take it one more time off of old habits and die hards you want to hit him with auction that'll be a good one to do yeah talk talk about the lyrics of auction um that song was written uh, about a friend of mine uh, again I, I write a, a lot about my friends sometimes and their experiences uh, as well as my own but coincidentally this one is another one um, but it was about uh, sort of a, a failing relationship that was happening uh, close to me and uh, just basically uh, voicing what was watching uh, voicing what was happening uh, from my perspective to uh, you know, to these two people. All right, guys. So we're just going to hit you one more time from Old Habits and Die Hards. This is It Hurts to Be Dead auction.
I'm telling you, man, I love jamming this album. It's just, it gets me going. And I play it. I got a little man in the back. You know, we're driving. He loves it. And I'm just into it, Awesome. Man. So thank you, Sean, for continuing to write lyrics, continue to bang on your guitar, and and do it, man. So what's next for It Hurts to Be Dead? Where are you guys at now? Where are you going? Like uh, Where we're at right now, um, you know, we're kind of all... Uh, busier people this summer than than what we normally are outside of uh outside of our band um however we have been writing and we're getting very very close to uh needing to shop around for a studio again and go back in for the next thing um we've got uh several songs that have never been recorded um some are are very new uh we've been doing a lot of writing more so than than playing out this summer so um you know hopefully uh you know we can go in someplace and and get them recorded soon and and have a new thing uh in the coming months oh really do you think by the fall we'll have something new possibly um i don't know that we'd have it out okay that soon but um probably but record in the fall yeah that would be that would be a best case scenario i think cool awesome man chris robertson he asks um, are there any mus- musicians that you would love to collaborate with? Man, there are so many uh, that I would love to, to collaborate with. Um, and I get asked that sometimes. Uh, we all do. Um, it's a matter of having the time to do it, but uh, musicians I would like to collab with, uh, Chris Robertson <laughs> would, be, would be a good one. I'd uh, love to work with Brandon Graham. Uh, you know, there, there's just so many good bands and, and so many talented people in town and and had i the opportunity i would like to work with all of them on 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 some level you know maybe i could come guest on on somebody's thing sometime or whatever that would be uh the 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 easiest thing for me to do and i just think it'd be so rad because i have a lot of respect for a lot of the people in this town there you go all right guys make it easy for him sean's telling you he wants to work with you so get your stuff ready let's do it and let him show up and throw down okay He's a busy man. Help this dude out. Huff is talking about what's the hardest part of keeping a band together? What's the worst show that you've ever played? Uh, what's up, Huff? Um, the hardest part about keeping a band together, uh, it depends on the band. And it depends on what kind of issues that, that band is facing. Um, when bands have uh, different ideas about um, you know, how dedicated they need to be to that band... That can be the hardest thing about being in a band. If you're in a band with somebody that doesn't ever want to play shows or show up to practice, that sucks. If you're in a band, but you're not in a position to do more than X amount of shows per month, but you're in a, a band with somebody that wants to play out you know, uh, you know, four nights a week someplace and, and travel and you're not in a position to do it, that also sucks. So it just kind of depends, uh, depends on the band, you know. But I think like probably the hardest thing is is being driven to do something and being held back because somebody can't or will not, you know. How have you dealt with failures and setbacks and just frustrations? Um, can I answer Huff's question about? Oh the, shit! The worst I'm sorry. Show? Yes. No, no, good. Get it. I, well, there you go. Okay, I, talking I about. Forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's talk about worst show. Worst shit. show I ever played was in a band I was in called The Wellness. The show in itself wasn't really 
bad. It was just the way I felt about it after the fact. Uh, we used to play uh, American Legion Halls. You did it. Uh, we all did it. Um, and that was you know, pretty common to do uh, back around this time when the wellness was a band. We finished up our set, and we were the headlining band that night. Uh, a lot of good bands went on before. I think Chris Robertson's band at, that he had at the time might have been one of the openers. We play our last note. And uh, the American Legion next door, you know, they would rent out the hall, but next door they would all have their own separate thing, and they had barbecue night. Um, we finished our last night, or our last note of the night, and the back door, which was right by the stage and the drum riser, uh, opens up, and this kid runs in with his buddy, and they had a trash can full of barbecue trash and dumped it straight onto our drummer. And so, like, the way you feel when something like that happens, like, you know, it can take the wind out of your sails for sure. Uh, I will say this. We loaded up uh, all of the trash that we had picked up into my van and went and decorated that kid's parents' yard that night. So, you know, all's well that ends well. But I would say, like, all my experiences as far as, like, this show, that show, the other, as many as there were to my recollection... Uh, as far as the way I felt about it, that was probably the worst. Yeah. Dang, man. Did did anyone... Well, I was going to say, did anyone start crying? But it's like, this is not a time <laughs> to cry. No, I mean, it was like oh. funny to, to even us at the time. But I think like we got lamed out about it like later. Like, man, what would like really motivate a person to, to, to do that? You know, like, and I looked at it as like, that was a statement in response to, you know, uh, you know, Bearing my soul for 45 minutes or whatever it was, yeah, you know, but yeah. it may not have been that it was, you know, antics and it was kids and, and we were kids at the time. So, you know, it may not have been that, but yeah, having uh, barbecue dumped on you, uh, you know, when you're playing that, that's not good. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wanted I don't to think I respond that to that story, part. Dude. I don't think I ever heard that. Yeah. Uh, it was at the one six nine. Yeah. If no. you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. You made it. You made it. You went down in history, so I hope you're happy. Right. Rock and roll. Shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't need, if you want to answer, like, how have you dealt with failure over the years? Um, like, how do you deal with it when you when you get in that slump? Um, uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, you're always looking for better platforms to release your music, or at least, like, you know, I always was, especially more so when I was younger. Uh, there was a particular day we were lucky enough to get on a showcase um, and we got turned down, not the band I'm in now, but a band I was in before. We got turned down by Sony, Epic, and Mercury uh, Records all in one day. And that was uh, disheartening to a point until you realize, like, it's not really about that. Like on some level, you can always do what you want to do, you know, and I think that's the best way to uh, to approach a failure is to, you know, sort of take things into your own hands. And yeah, you know, maybe we wouldn't be able to uh, distribute, you know, the way that any of those labels could or anything like that. And of course we cannot. Uh, but, you know, you still get some satisfaction out, uh, out of uh, taking the reins and, and doing for yourself, you know. Mm. So put put your uh, put your own destiny in your own hands. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think even more so that's important today, uh, even more so than back then, because, uh, you know, a lot of bands are, are making their own way and, and sidestepping, you know, especially the big labels like those, you know, um, financially, you know, you'll, you'll find yourself in a better position by doing that most of the time anyway, unless you just happen to be really, really lucky, um, which, you know, or, you know, you work hard, but you have to have some luck to get to that level as well. Well, Sean, I think that's, uh, let me, let me just double check and kind of look through our, our things here. But yeah, well, this was just a cool comment, but Dusty Spain, uh, one of our friends, you know, from back in the day, um, he was just talking about that, um, he knew you, but didn't know you close and then ran into you years later. And it was just, uh, it made a, such an impression on him uh, about how kind and humble and considerate that you are, you know, Dusty, I, I have always thought the same of you, my friend. So like, thank you so much. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. Do you think having this outlet, this punk and punk rock outlet allows you to center yourself? Yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely essential. Um, you know, I, I wear many different hats throughout the course of the day. You know, I'm a family and and I work for a living as well. Um, Yeah, that definitely balances out, uh, you know, everything else that I have in life. And, uh, you know, when that's not going on, things get thrown out of balance. So, like, for me, it's it's not even a question. So what is it? Like, describe this. You, You step out onto the stage. You got the people out in front of you. They're pumped up. They're screaming. And you, you go into that first note, like, yeah, well, I mean, that's a best case scenario. Okay. So, or, or nobody's so, in the house. Yeah. Um, best case scenario. We'll, we'll speak to that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. It's almost like autopilot. Like, uh, at that point, the songs are written, uh, we've played them a hundred times and, and we're there for whoever shows up. So, uh, you know, if there are a good amount of people in front of us, that's the best. We love it when it's like that. And, uh, you know, at that point, we're there to have a good time, and, and we hope everyone else does too. So, Writing, recording, performing, which is, which is the best? Writing. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, because w- whether you ever record it or, or perform it, uh, you've gotten that out, and it needs to, it needs to come out. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say that's the best. All right, Sean. Well, final thoughts. Um, Anything on your mind? No. Uh, Simeon, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, Steady Focus is something that like, I watch from time to time, and I always gain some inspiration and motivation from it. So it's, it's, a, it's a big honor to be here. All right, man. Well, I, I love you. You know, I love and, you, too. Uh, it's cool. I was looking through some of my books the other day. I was cleaning out the house, and I found a poem You know, I'd written about you, and it's just about the family. You know, So it's just... I respect you a lot. Yeah. P.S. We didn't even get into it, but Sean and I played in a band together for yep. about six to eight months a yeah, year. I don't yeah. know how long we were in the band, but um, that was happening too. Downstairs was the band that gave me the opportunity to get out from behind the drum set, start playing guitar, was start it really? contributing to writing. Yeah, I'd never played guitar in a band before that. Oh, I was always snap. a drummer in bands before that. So, <laughs> yeah, so that there is absolutely go. significant, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. Get you guys some of that. Yeah. Some of that history. All right. Well, Sean, let, let's end this episode. Let's play us out with another track off of your new album, 
or your latest album, Old Habits and Die Hards. What, what do you want to play? We got The Clattering Structure, Slurring My Apologies, or Killing Me. Let's do Slurring My Apologies. All right. You Any any lead up? You want to talk to us about the story? Um, just about being uh, drunk and and uh and sorry for it you know uh i'll I'll tell the story uh mostly it was just uh i'd gone to a party and i was waiting for my significant other to meet me at that party and by the time she showed up i was already destroyed and you know once you're at that point you can be sorry but you're not going to stand up and make it right you know so it's uh kind of uh that was kind of my way of trying to say i was sorry for it you know all right, guys, before we hit play on this, this has been an awesome episode. I'm very thankful to sit down with Sean and help kind of share his story a little bit. I hope you guys got something out of it. If you did, you know, hit the comment, share this with somebody, tell somebody about this man because it's been a great, great episode. And, yeah, we're, we're just going to keep coming at you. we got new merchandise uh, for Steady Focused. It's going to be rolling out pretty soon. So I appreciate everybody's with the feedback and kind of telling us what direction we should take it. So until next time. I'm your host, I'm your number one, Mr. Simeon Hendricks, and this is Steady Focused.